look at what it says. It starts off and it says, behold, behold. And uh, whenever you hear the Lord and in God's word, it says, behold, there's something that he really wants you to look at that follows. And right here, he's talking about Jesus, the Messiah. He says, behold, my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him and he will bring forth justice to the nations. Now, I want you to notice something as you read on down through here. It says uh, next he will uh, cry out. He will not cry out or raise his voice nor make his voice heard in the street. It's saying he's going to be gentle. He's going to be quiet. It says a bruised reed he will not break and a dimly burning wick he will not extinguish. Have you ever seen a a broken reed hanging all the rest of them are standing straight up and then there's one that's just hanging over anytime the wind blows it has to go that way it can't stand in the breeze at all it just has to go the way the wind goes he also talks about a burning wick he will not extinguish whenever I've watched burning wicks many times from up here behind the pulpit whenever the candles start to go out for some reason. And you get down to where there's just an ember there. And a harsh gust of wind doesn't make it spring back. It puts it on out. He's talking about an ember that's gotten so low that any sort of disturbance is going to just kill it. And he's saying, a bruised reed he will not break. A dimly burning wick he will not extinguish. That's how gentle our Lord is. That's how precious our Jesus is. But then it says, he will faithfully bring forth justice. And this is what I want to talk to you about more than anything else today is It's something we know, we've heard. It's the gospel, the gentleness of Jesus, the righteous judge. He's a gentle savior, but he's a righteous judge. How do these things go together? Okay, he's gentle, and yet he's going to bring about justice. It says that in the passage, he's going to bring about justice for all the nations, for the whole world. Now, then I want you to jump back and uh, look in Exodus, the 34th chapter, when the Lord reveals himself to Moses. Here in this passage today, we see the Lord, the, the, we see the Heavenly Father revealing the Son. But back in Exodus, we see God revealing himself to Moses. Then beginning with Exodus 34, 6. Then the Lord passed by in front of him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, 
compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness and truth, who keeps loving kindness for thousands, who forgives iniquity, transgression and sin. Yet he will by no means leave the guilty unpunished. Visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and on the grandchildren to the third and fourth generations. So here the Lord of all is revealing himself to Moses as being gentle and merciful and just at the same time. Do you see the similarities? Jesus' heavenly father at this point, when he says, behold, he's saying, this is my son. Look, he's just like me. He's got my DNA big time. He's just like me. And then whenever Jesus goes to be uh, baptized, uh, in the Gospel of Matthew, we read these words. Then Jesus arrived from Galilee at the Jordan, coming to John to be baptized by him. But John tried to prevent him, saying, I have need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? But Jesus answering him said, permit it at this time. For in this way, it is fitting for us, for both you and me, to fulfill all righteousness. It says, then he permitted him. After being baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water and behold, there's that word again. Behold, the heavens were opened and he saw the spirit of God descending as a dove and lighting on him. And the voice out of the heaven said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. If there was any doubt that Jesus was the Messiah, this should put it to rest. And again, he says, this is my boy. I'm proud of my boy. I love him deeply. He's just like me. Jesus later on said, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. And this is what he's talking about. And I want to get back to bruised reeds and smoldering wicks, because these do describe the gentleness of our Lord and Savior. Bruised reeds. They're so weak. They're delicate. They can't do anything. All they can do is just go with the flow. They can't stand erect. They're helpless. Smoldering wicks just about to go out. Just leave it alone and it goes out. Blow on it hard and it goes out. They're dying. And they just can't take much more. There are a lot of people that are really bruised reeds and smoldering wicks. 
and you come across them every day. In fact, perhaps you are one of them here in our midst this morning. As I was preparing for this morning, I remember a time in my life when I was just a a smoldering wick. Everything that could go wrong had gone wrong. Do you ever get to one of those times whenever you just ask, what else could happen? Because you're going to find out before the thoughts formed in your head. I've been there, I don't know how many times. But there was this one time, it was really bad. I was hurting Physically, uh, I had a, a molar that uh, had a, uh, well, I had an abscessed tooth and I didn't have the money to do anything about it because I was also hurting financially. We didn't have any money. And so I was just having to live in pain. And then on top of that, things weren't going well. I was an associate at a church and uh, my boss and I were having a hard time clicking. And I don't like it whenever I'm not clicking with the people I'm supposed to be serving the Lord with. And this caused me great distress. And uh, just all the way up and down, I was hurting physically, emotionally, financially, spiritually, you name it. And then I walked into the house and Sharon walked up to me telling me that uh, uh, the kids needed something. And I was just at my wits end. And I just pulled my wallet out of my pocket. There was no money left in the bank. In fact, I just gotten a notice that the IRS was going to uh, be garnishing our bank account because uh, uh of a typographical error in a uh, uh, in a W in a, in a 1099 that I got, where a one wound up right in the bar of the dollar sign, and so I didn't I missed that, and it made the difference of like I can't remember, it was just like a thousand dollars in what I reported on my income, and so. For like $400, they were going to garnish my bank account. So that's the difference in taxes and and penalties. And so I've got this notice. I mean, I'm going to have to be making any money that's left in the bank. I was going to have to make up, have a foot race with the IRS to get my money out. But uh, anyway, because of that, and I owed the money. It was in the bar. It was, it was, it was, it was, I was given the money. I owed the money. That's not what I'm saying. But at that point in time, I was, I didn't have the money to pay. And so all of a sudden the kids need something. I just pulled my wallet out and I handed it to her and I said, this is it. That's all there is. There's nothing left. It's just what's there and there's nothing left here. And I just walked upstairs and laid down in bed to die. I just couldn't go on. I was a smoldering wick. And I lay there. And just like I, I, like Elijah, I said, Lord, I just can't handle this anymore. Just take me home. And he didn't do it. And then I realized finally as I was laying there, I was going to have to get up. And I was going to have to go on. 
But, you know, there's the Lord said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. All I had left was Jesus. That's all I had left. Of course, I had my family. And I just didn't even realize how much they loved me back then. But I lay there and I said, okay, Lord, apparently this isn't going to work the way I was hoping it would. So now I don't know what else to do. My life's a mess. And all I can do is just give you this mess. And so I just give you this mess now and I say, just bless this mess. And all I can do is just take one step at a time for you. So help me to handle all these different things one step at a time for you. And I'm going to try to be a bright light for you the best I can. One step at a time. Because that's all I've got is one step. And then another step. And then another step. We've all been there, I'm sure. If you haven't been there, I rejoice for you. But what happened then was I had to go to work. <laughs> and uh, there's this new thing called Emmaus Walk that had come about. And uh, the uh, my, my boss said, uh, you know, so-and-so's been talking about this, and one of us needs to go. Joel, won't you go on this Emmaus Walk thing so we can be, have a part in it? The last thing I wanted to do was go on a retreat. I mean, I just wanted to crawl in a hole and die, you know. And here I was supposed to go to a retreat. So I went. To make a long story short, during that retreat, the Lord reminded me that he still loved me. And he reminded me that he was able to help me, no matter how deep the pit was in that I was in. And he reminded me not only was he did he love me and was he able, he wanted to help me out of that pit. And I left there. Nothing had changed except my heart. But I walked out with confidence that somehow everything was going to be OK. When I got back to the office uh, uh, the next week, a gentleman was standing there talking and Turns out he was a member of the church and he was a dentist. And he said, oh, you know what? I'm a, I'm a dentist here uh, uh, in the community. And uh, one of the things that I like to do for the Lord is take care of my pastor's teeth. So if you've got any sort of a problem with your teeth, come see me. I'll take care of it. I wound up with a crown out of the deal, you know, and uh, and, and, and my, 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 my physical stuff was taken care of. The Lord blessed financially and everything else fell into place. But we've all been there. I'm so grateful that I knew the Lord and was able to put myself in his shoe, in his hands at that time. So many people aren't. And this is what I'm telling you. There are smoldering wicks. There are bruised and broken reeds all around us every day. And we have a gentle Savior who wants to help them. Now, let me tell you what they don't need. They don't need an agitator. They don't need 
uh, somebody being aggressive. Uh, they don't need, uh, what I'm trying to say is there's a difference between social justice and biblical justice. And we have been sold a bill of goods as far as the, the fact that see, they're not the same. We've been told that they're the same. And I'll get back to that in just a, a moment. You see, Jesus loves bruised reeds and smoldering wicks. He came into this world especially for them. And all through the Bible, you see him ministering to bruised reeds and smoldering wicks. There's a story of the sinful woman. Jesus was at a banquet thrown by a Pharisee. And uh, this woman came into the banquet. It says in the Bible, she was a sinner. And she just came in when she heard that Jesus, she came in weeping. And she just bowed down at his feet while he was sitting there at the table. And she broke this uh, box of oil, costly perfume, and just poured it on her feet. And she just, she washed his his feet with her, with her tears. And she cleaned them with her hair. And then she poured this costly oil. And then the Pharisee saw this. And he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he'd know who and what sort of person this woman is who is touching him, that she is a sinner. Jesus knew exactly who she was. And one of these days, he's going to hold a banquet. And you know what? She's probably going to have a place of honor. And that Pharisee, don't know if he made it or not. But it says, Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to say to you. They replied, say it, teacher. A money lender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii, the other 50. When they were unable to repay, uh, he graciously forgave them both. So which of them will love him more? And Simon answered and said, I suppose the one he forgave more. And he said, you have judged correctly. Turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house and you gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but since the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You didn't anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with perfume. For this reason, I say to you, her sins, which are many, he knew every one of her sins, her sins, which are many, have been forgiven for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little loves little. Well, she was a smoldering wick. She was definitely a bent reed. She needed his loving, his loving kindness. He gave it to her and he gave her forgiveness. Later on, uh, 
people are complaining. The scribes and Pharisees are complaining because they saw him eating and drinking with tax collectors and sinners. And on hearing this, Jesus said to them, it's not those who are healthy who need a physician, but those who are sick. I didn't come to call the righteous, but sinners. He loved sinners. He loves sinners today. He loves even you. You know that? Even if you think you're unlovable, he, you are loved. He loves you. We see his gentleness. But in these four verses in Isaiah, the word justice is mentioned three different times in four verses. He says that his son's going to bring justice. And we see here how he did it. He did it quietly and gently and lovingly. He'd heal someone and they'd say, don't tell anybody about it. He was quiet. He was gentle. You see, there were no big demonstrations, no riots, no marches when it came to justice. He just did it. Biblical justice is nothing like social justice. And uh, social justice, you see, divides and tears down. It looks for people that are hurting and tries to convince them that it's because of somebody else and then gets them to hate that other person. That's social justice. Biblical justice builds up. It elevates people. It gives them dignity. It gives them new beginnings. It gives them hope. It builds up and unites. Now, God requires justice. It's a part of his character. And it's built into our uh, God image. We are in the image of God. And so it's a part of our DNA. We want fairness. We want equality. We want equal pay. We want to help people to have value and dignity, but not at the cost of somebody else. We want those who have been wronged to be recompensed for what the bad somebody's caused to them. We want evildoers to be punished. But you don't get these things by being lawless yourself. And that's what we see way too much of these days. Jesus shows us how he wants us to bring about justice. He just went about quietly doing what was right, doing what his heavenly father told him to do. Then so uh, you see, he didn't demonstrate for justice. He demonstrated justice. Now, there's a story told by Peter Marshall of a man who lived in Washington, D.C. on Pennsylvania Avenue. He was very, very wealthy, but he was also a follower of Christ. And as he read his Bible one evening, he ran across these words that said, uh, when you give a feast, don't invite the rich and the famous and don't invite those who can pay you back. Instead, 
Invite those who can never pay you back. And then you'll be storing up treasure in heaven. And he thought about that. And he thought about all the great banquets that he'd attended, all the feasts that he'd had, and all the people uh, dressed in their regalia and all, and all these big social events he'd been a part of. And then all of a sudden, the smoldering wicks and the broken reeds that he came across every day as he went to work and came home from work and went about his business. He began to see their faces. He'd really never noticed them before, but they were there on a regular basis. He saw them every day. And he just couldn't get these faces, this parade from going through his head and he was sleepless and he realized what the Lord was telling him to do. And so he said, okay, Lord, I will do it. And then he was able to go to sleep. The next morning he got up and he started preparing for what the Lord wanted him to do. He made invitations and he hand delivered them as he went to work and came home from work that day to all those people that he'd seen in his dream. The poor guy on the side of the road selling pencils. The other one that just begged. The blind man. All of them all along the way. He gave them an invitation, inviting them to a, a banquet at his home. And in the invitation, it told them that uh, uh, at a certain time, in a certain place, if they would gather there, that a lim that limousines would come and pick them up and carry them to the banquet. And that's what happened. And as they gathered there, uh, these men who had nothing to lose because they'd lost it all, we're talking about each about it, wondering, is this guy some sort of a kook? What's really going on here? What's he really up to? And so as they gathered there, they were just talking about it. And then sure enough, it wasn't a trick. A parade of limousines pulled up and chauffeurs got out and ushered them into their cars. And then they were carried to this nice home on Pennsylvania Avenue where they came in and found a well-appointed banquet waiting for them. They, uh, they ate. It was very good. And as they ate, they talked and they began to visit and they talked about old so-and-so that they hadn't seen in about three weeks. They were hoping that he was okay. And they talked about all sorts of things. And a uh, musician had been brought in, a pianist had been brought in, and he began to play music. And they began to sing along with the music, whose oldies but goodies. And then it uh, drifted into Christmas carols because it was about Christmas time. And they sang Christmas carols. And after that, while they were having coffee, the man got up, introduced himself, and he shared from the Christmas story as found in the Gospel of Luke. He shared that with them and explained to them 
how that one who was brought into the world loved them. And then he explained that in a few moments they were going to be, uh, the limousines were going to be back to take them back to their homes. But the drivers are going to all give them his card. And if there's anything that they had need of, call him. And they would, he would do what he could. And he said, I know where I see you every day. And over the next couple of weeks, I'm going to stop and visit with each one of you and see what maybe I could do to help you along in your life. As they left that evening, they all stopped and thanked him and shook his hand. And one man who had been fingering a pistol in his pocket when he got the invitation the day before, thinking about taking his own life and just ending it all, decided that he'd at least see what this was all about before he did it. And maybe he'd get a meal out of the deal. He came up to this to the, the gentleman and he said, Mr. Nobody's given me anything ever in my life. But you have given me hope. Whenever justice is practiced in the right way, it brings hope, not hate. And we need to be those who are helping to bring about true biblical justice ourselves. Now, you may not have (laughs) bucket loads of money to help with this. But you know what? All he called you to do is do what you can where you are with what you got. It doesn't have to be grand. Don't let your limitations keep you from sharing the love of a limitless God. As you do like this man did and just obey him every day, you're going to be bringing about justice You're going to be bringing about fairness and equity. And you're going to be bringing value to the lives of those people around you. And you're going to make a difference. And one of the biggest differences you can give that you can do is tell them about Jesus. Because you see, there's another part to justice. And that is. Jesus, he identified with us when he was baptized and he identified with us when he was on that cross. And as it says in uh, John 3.16, say it along with me. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's the good news that we have to share. They can all have everlasting life because their sins have already been paid for. God's holding nothing against them. The only thing that keeps us out of heaven is our unbelief. Our sins have already been paid for. They just need to believe and receive. You have that good news to share with them. And so in the week and the weeks ahead, I encourage you to be those 
who are harbingers and bringers of hope and power into the world of those around you. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.